Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is October 12th of 2021, and it's Holy Wasdy Day, and I'm joined by three awesome guests, Nicole Thomas, Vice President, Information Sales and Service of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Nicole. Michael, how you doing? Ah, oh, man, it's good. Kevin, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle, the sugar guru. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Good. And last but not least, Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. How are you Buffalo Bills doing today, Eric? Well, we're doing very well since we had a great <laughs> game Sunday night. Oh we God. finally beat the uh, top dogs there in KC, the team that knocked us the out chefs. last year and ruined our Super Bowl aspirations. Oh. But it's good to get that off the back. But uh, we still did you. lose week one to Nicole Steelers, so... Wow. We're, uh, but I think we have a better record right now. than the Hey, Steelers. at least we won <laughs> one, okay? At this point, I'm just happy to win a game, no matter how ugly, no matter how close to the end. We yeah. almost don't pull it off. Well, mm, and you guys, win. you have to Is always Is Ben remember. done, though, Nicole? I think he's done. I think I think Ben was done a couple of years ago, <laughs> and Tomlinson <laughs> didn't get the memo. That's what I yeah. think. I have some good news for you, for you, Eric, and you, Nicole. What's that? You're not a Raider fan. I know. And that, that in itself is the best. <laughs> well, you, you cut me off because I was just about to say, I think Ben can go uh, join Gruden somewhere and yeah. uh, disappear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. I'm not ready for that. Yeah, we'll, yep. we'll leave it at he, that one. He got a few more years than he deserved. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, agree. There you go. Agree. Okay. Well, we all agree on that. And uh, we don't always agree with what the WASD has coming out, but uh, let's uh, go out and talk about it. And Nicole, let's start with um, you and corn. Hey. And soybeans. What did they do? You want to yes. know a trick to determining what the WASD report was like without looking at the WASD report? Mm, mm, do tell. Look at the futures market. Mm. The futures market. Will tell you it's a sea of red. What kind of day it was, and if you looked at the futures market, well, I can only see the closes at this point. Uh, but corn down eh, between seven okay. and ten and a half cents. Yeah, that tells you something. Beans yep. down between about twenty-one and thirty cents, depending on the contract. Mm. That tells you something. Mm. Um, and even bean oil. What? Come on. Get out of good town. times for for uh, oil buyers, or well, not good times. I wouldn't call it good times. Better, <laughs> a good moment. <laughs> yeah, a little day. victories is what I would call bit. it. Little Small victories. victories. So, it, moral of the story is, uh, we actually had a reasonably bearish report today. What? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. So Wait. before before everybody gets super excited, things are still a little tight. There's still, you know, some level of uncertainty because we have to uh, see what South America comes through with here in the in the next few months. But I will say today's report is making us feel a little easier that we're not quite as tight as we thought we were. So starting with corn, we saw a boost to ending stocks of almost 100 million bushels in the U.S. So that puts us at 1.5 billion for 21-22. There was a very subtle increase to yield, but the, the difference maker was really beginning stocks. Mm -hmm. Going back to that grain stocks report where we all thought, ah, okay, 
a little different than what the market was expecting. So now seeing that worked into the numbers, uh, we're at one and a half billion bushels. L- some slight adjustments on the demand side of things took feed and residual down by about 50 million bushels, offset that with slightly higher food, seed, and industrial. That's up by about 5 million bushels, uh, not due to the ethanol category for the record. And exports, they took up about 25 uh, million bushels, which, you know, remains to be seen. Obviously, we had those issues in the Gulf uh, with the with the hurricane and, and uh, still trying to get things kind of kind of up and going. But, you know, for the, as far as the PNW is concerned, looks like we should be good to go. And we're actually reasonably competitive, at least with Brazil, which, you know, based off of their uh, their crop from 2021. Probably won't have much to contribute until sometime next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was a big part of USDA's rationale behind taking this value up. And whether or not it stays high obviously comes down to some import demand, which with these uh, prices coming under a little bit of pressure may have inspired some buying. And Argentina, who's actually priced a little lower than the U.S. right now, but continues to kind of struggle with uh, getting things along the or along and out via the the Piranha River there. So as far as the domestic picture was concerned, look looked pretty good. Globally, we saw 21-22 ending stocks revised higher by more than 4 million tons. Mm. We're now over 301 million tons. So much better scenario than uh, even a month ago. Some of that, again, related to that change to beginning stocks from 2021 in the U.S. being moved into carry-in for 21-22. We had a altogether uh, about a, a million metric ton decline to Ukrainian production. That was offset by nearly likewise increase to European Union production and a slight bump up for Canadian production up about 400,000 tons. Uh, so all in all, I would say as far as the balance sheet is concerned, looking like a pretty good, pretty good day uh, from a buyer's perspective. Now, we'll we'll certainly have to keep an eye on net corn costs, uh, because what yep. I'm about to say with the soy side mm-hmm. may create a little pressure, uh, at least for corn gluten mill based off of uh, soybean mill. With corn oil expected to, to stay relatively strong price wise, we got a lot of strength in the oils market. Uh, at least for now. And with more ethanol production, more DDG availability. So yes, we are seeing prices rise seasonally as they typically do around this time of year. Question is, how will we look for the first quarter of next year Mm -hmm. relative to first quarter of 2021? I think we're going to have a bit of a struggle to, to maintain that sort of strength. And with extremely strong basis values, Mm. sorry for everyone. In that regard, I don't care where you get your corn. <laughs> Basis values are higher now at harvest next year and especially in the summer. So, you know, kind of combining all that, we'll see. Uh, but at least for now, we're finally seeing net corn costs uh, come down below three bucks. Uh, and it's been a few months since we've been there. So that's that's the good news there. Now for oils uh, and beans starting with soybeans, uh, we also saw a pretty significant 
uh, bump there again goes back to um, some of those changes from from the grain stocks report. So now we've got carry in 256 million bushels and with a, a significant increase to yield now projected at 51 and a half bushels per acre. We are still in the progress uh, or in the process of harvesting. So we'll see what numbers we end up when it's all said and done. But the combination of, of those two factors was enough to now push ending stocks to 320 million bushels. Now think about this. 2021 ending stocks ended the year at 256. Pretty much throughout 2021, we were looking at, you know, numbers between 135, 140 million up to maybe 170, 175 million. So material difference there. And then uh, now for the upcoming year, 320 million bushels, that kind of gets you back to normal. That's, that's what we would expect. Now, again, we still have more harvest to go. But uh, that was certainly enough to, to explain why we saw futures trend so much lower. And what will be interesting then now, soybean prices under pressure, right? We know we're going to need more acreage next year. Not as much now that we've got a better stock scenario, if we maintain this better stock scenario. And meanwhile, we've got rising prices for inputs. Mm. So for corn producers, uh, higher cost of production, higher fertilizer costs, if they can get it, higher net mm. gas prices leading to that. Mm. So we could see a very interesting acreage battle come this spring and maybe, you know, beans could have a little bit of leverage. Uh, but probably not as much if prices stay the way they're where, where they're at right now. So we'll see what happens there. And then on bean oil, a uh, big boost to ending stocks there too. We went from a little under 1.5 billion bushels, or excuse me, billion pounds, to now almost 1.8 billion pounds. Again, adjustment to beginning stocks, the biggest component of that, and the biggest component to the increase of carry-in was less biofuel demand. So they took that down to 8.8 billion pounds. Food feed and other industrial sitting at 14.5 billion pounds. I I hesitate to get super, super excited about that though, because I think uh, there's an added layer of complexity and that they changed these categories kind of midway through, uh, through the marketing year last year. And we're still kind of lacking some visibility uh, on the renewable diesel side. So at least for now, I would say that provides a good opportunity for folks to really look at that futures market. And if they haven't, you know, pulled the trigger on those, uh, any of those needs for 2022, it's probably a good time to do it because we still have uh, tightness in the market overall. We still have issues with that canola crop up in Canada and we're, we're still trying to recover uh, with uh, palm oil production in Southeast Asia. So haven't seen much change in, in sort of the end all commercial market side of things. Uh, so view it as an opportunity for both or all three. Great. Wonderful. Great recap, Nicole. Let's uh, shift over to wheat and Eric and uh, boy, a 14 year low on stocks for 2020 or 21, 22. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you got? We had a little bit of a sneak peek and preview of what was going to come today with the September stocks 
report as well as the small grains summary. And yeah, to your point, Mike, we are now sitting at a ending stocks level at 580 million bushels, which is the lowest uh, since going back to 2007-2008 and a stocks use ratio at 28.4%, lowest since 13-14. So certainly uh Seen, seen stocks be eroded here each month going back through the beginning of this year. And one of the surprises, I'd say, and interesting pieces to analyze that kind of tells the story of what incurred this year for production was we actually uh, are showing a decrease in harvested acreage in the October report of 900,000 acres down to 37.2 million acres. And that's really not too far from where we were last year in terms of harvested acreage at 36.8 million acres. So only a 300,000 acre increase. But the planted acreage coming into this year was supposed to be, was much greater. We were 2.2 million acres higher than last year. But again, the, the net area harvested was about the same because of the struggles most predominantly in the Northern Plains and the Pacific Northwest. So that is really kind of the story is the Hard red spring and white wheat crops certainly took took a hit, as we've been talking about for months with the, the drought in the Northern Plains. So uh, our production now stands at 1.65 billion bushels, which is the lowest since 2002-2003. So we're talking about a 19-year uh, low in terms of production here, which we already had the low lower beginning stocks coming into the 21-22 year at 845 million bushels. There was a couple adjustments to demand lower, mm-hmm. um, one being that feed category, which actually fell 25 million bushels down to 135 million bushels. And I think of some of that as a result of now, again, the tighter wheat stock situation, along with combined now a little bit better corn and soybean stock situation we've seen develop over the last two to three months. So justifiably so, I'd say at this point in the year to reduce that a little bit considering the dynamics there at play. Uh, but all in all, we uh, we're looking at a number of 580 million bushels of any stocks. That's nearly uh, 50% lower than where we were two crop years ago in 2019, 20. So quite a difference in just two years and wheat and thus why you're seeing prices hovering, uh, you know, 750 per bushel for Casey in Chicago and upwards of, you know, 950 a bushel on the nearby for Minneapolis and the spring wheat uh, contracts out there. So certainly seeing things um, a lot tighter than what we're used to in wheat. And, you know, with kind of those drops in demand, we'll see if those play out. They kept exports at 875 million bushels. We've actually been trailing below the pace needed to even hit that target. So potentially see some reductions there combined with kind of the higher U.S. prices we're seeing, you know, may kind of divert a couple more sales to the other major producing regions, which transitioning now globally really quick, you know, directionally about where we expected. We were expecting a little bit lower production and a little bit lower ending stocks, maybe a little bit more bullish than anticipated. So total production fell another four and a half million metric tons down to 775 million metric tons and ending stocks now are reduced to 277 million metric tons versus 283 last month. And most of that was based off of some, well, obviously factoring in the U.S. changes that we just spoke of, as well as 
saw a further reduction to the Canadian crop where they were lowered again by 2 million metric tons, again, dealing with the same weather issues we had here of dryness and excessive heat. So all in all, uh, directionally expected, maybe slightly more bullish than expected. You know, prices were, were up marginally today, and I think, you know, they probably could have gone a little higher had it not been for a more bearish report for corn and soybeans. So a lot tighter than what we're used to. Yeah. You know, we're kind of getting into plantings right now for wheat, uh, the winter wheat crops, and then really going to kind of head into dormancy pretty quick and quiet down in terms of new fundamental information. So that tells me that we'll likely see firm pricing until we get to maybe March, April of next year. Got it. Okay. Well, let's shift over to sugar and, and Kevin. Uh, Kevin, what do you got on uh, sugar? Oh, holy Philippines. Holy Philippines. That uh, That's one of the stories, certainly. But <laughs> I, you know, the party's been a little bit dead up to this point with the discussions and, you know, hearing about high commodity prices and all that. So I think we need to shift this to some good news. And Oh, there you go. What do you a got? A 5.348 million short ton beet crop. Holy beets. Holy beets. That's fiscally adjusted. You know, it might be 50,000 tons less. So a 5.3 million ton crop. And uh, I don't know about the actual crop. It's got to be right there. But hmm. fiscally adjusted, we're talking about a record beet crop, Mike. Did you just say a record beet crop? A record beet crop on physically adjusted. Amazing. How high are those piles, Eric? They're not too damn big high. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was dry uh, up there in the Red River Valley, though, Kev. What the heck? <laughs> it was dry. And uh, yeah, you know, you get a little bit of rain over the last couple months and leave the beets in the ground a little bit longer. And I don't know if you ever, you probably had it too, but here in the Bay Area, we're known for warm weather. It was like 68, 72 degrees for a few days. And I looked at the Red River Valley temperature and it was like 78, 80 degrees. Jesus. So they're they're benefiting from uh, leaving those beets in the ground. Kind of puts a little risk into play as far as harvest goes. But, uh, you know, if weather cooperates and they don't all of a sudden get uh, massive amounts of rain or in cold weather at some point in time, I'm you know, sure there will be no problem. So. Amazing though, you know, we were talking about burning up That's the great. crops uh, back in June and July, and and here we are talking about a record beet crop despite you know lower than average yields if weather was beneficial throughout the growing cycle. So crazy, and then uh, overall production, we're uh, we're sitting there seven thousand tons away from a overall record crop. So if we get a little bit more optimism out of uh cane country or beet uh we'll have record crop overall too and what are we talking about sugar prices oh yeah, yeah. not so record level lows <laughs> we're talking more like record level highs almost uh so no bueno there but uh i think you know mike you mentioned it, probably a bit of the story here is the philippines and uh usda lowered 2022 uh, imports 212,000 tons. A good portion of that was shifting sugar that arrived in September. Uh, we had that 99,000 ton quota uh, announced at the end of the year. The USDA extended the delivery time frame into October, but it looks like a good chunk of that sugar ended up showing up in September a lot more than they thought. So uh, that resulted in transfer of some sugar 
from 22 back into 2021. But then uh, they lowered uh, the TRQ also 150,000 tons as a result of not expecting the raw sugar quota assigned to the Philippines to be delivered this year, which Mm. that was one of the things we were pointing to last year, whether or not that sugar was going to arrive from the Philippines. And it uh, finally made its way. But, you know, is pulling some raw sugar available out of the market and certainly a factor in uh, creating a stronger market last year. And now we've kind of find out, uh, you know, it's a factor again this year. And just to put it into perspective, you know, the Philippines is like one of the top three TRQ holders to the United States, third or fourth anyway. And 150,000 tons, that's 5% of our total imports. That's 10% of the TRQ. And overall, just raw sugar, it's probably, you know, around 7% of our total raw sugar uh, imports coming in the country and you take that off the top right off the bat and certainly is a, a reason for some concern going forward and I'm sure the USDA will address it you know we don't usually see a TRQ shortfall of 250,000 tons but uh, you know it always takes a while for those reassignments to take place and uh, you know reissuing it that way or you know issuing a new quota or something like that which you know, typically is not done until April. So when you look at the raw sugar market at 36, 37 cents on nearby contracts, uh, you know, it's hard to pinpoint any relief coming anytime soon. Got it. Okay. Anything else on sugar? You know, those were the, uh, the two exciting things. Demand was unchanged. Uh, they did raise production in Mexico. That's not much of a story. Mexico's got uh, plenty of sugar, even without uh, a recovery in production, as their demand has been relatively weak. So uh, they will ship everything and anything possible to come to the United States. And uh, uh, But, you know, some of our sources in Mexico have now starting to talk about uh, like a 6.2 million ton crop. So the USDA is still really, really low. So lots of sugar in Mexico and uh, just have to you know, see how all that goes. Got it. Great. Great recap, Nicole. Eric and Kevin, thank you for your thoughts as always. Before we let people go, a couple things. One, we just updated our CBD study. Eric and the team uh, updated it. So if you're interested in in learning a little bit more about CBD, uh, you can go to our website at mckinney-favel.com and you can download it for the high price of free and learn a little bit more about uh, what's going on in the CBD world. And uh, also, we've got a webinar coming up that you'll be able to register for on our website, and that's our Fall Market Outlook. That'll be on October 27th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You'll be able to uh, uh, listen to what we're thinking coming up this fall, as well as uh, ask any questions you might have. So please go ahead and register for that, and we'll see you then. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude, even if you don't have a coach. Uh, Live every moment, every minute, because you know what? You will get another coach, Kevin. And until next time, take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye now. Go Raiders. (laughs) Go Steelers. (laughs) Bills. Da Bills. Seahawks. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.